0: Yeah we're good.
1: Hey <laughs> Alright. Alright. That was fun. We, were, we went kind of deep. <laughs> Sorry, but I didn't no, know. No, but I think guys. it was good. Alright, okay. I didn't know <laughs>
0: what you guys wanted.
2: Just... How do you entertain yourself? Besides well, was... the news, I mean
0: uh, on a podcast of me too? Uh no, I mean I, I like
2: like Hello and welcome to Word Up Podcast. I'm Evie
1: and I'm Webster.
2: And today we are here with Nanisa.
1: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Amsterdam. God damn, it's raining again. It's raining <laughs> a lot.
0: Every time I come, here. every time, every time. Every time. Never coming back.
2: Coincidence? I'm, I don't think so.
0: Maybe I'm bringing the rain. <laughs> How many times have you been here? Uh, I've been here I think 6 times. Okay. So, that's yeah, quite uh, a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I keep coming back. I don't know why. Something in Amsterdam,
1: maybe the the rain. Hmm. <laughs> you seem like a well traveled man. Would I be correct in making that?
0: Ah, you know, I've session. seen my fair share of canals, so to speak. Nice. <laughs> Has anybody ever said that? I feel like I just coined that term. Oh, yeah, you can put that on your grave <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: That's, one, That's pretty stuff. You all right, okay. It's all yours if you want it. Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> all right. Ooh, good to have something. So, where are you based right now? Uh, I'm based in Berlin. You're based in Berlin. And for our audience listening who have never heard of you or don't know who you are, can you please tell us who you are and what's your story? How did you end up in Amsterdam? Uh, Oh Wow, how
0: much time do you have? Um, I'll give you two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, my name is Neniso. I'm originally from South Africa. Um, I've traveled quite a bit growing up in uh, England, France, Australia. Um, And I kind of somehow... Um, well it's not somehow I went to uh, Berlin I think four years ago for a two week holiday and I kind of end up staying and uh, Amsterdam is kind of my my little retreat that I take now and again to uh, see what the the better side of uh, Europe
1: looks like nice so, yeah it's pretty cool why, why were you moving around so much
0: uh, it's just my uh, my uh, my family they, they ended up moving around and I was a kid so I followed of course and uh, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it so much that even when I uh, left home, I just had that same kind of uh, habit to just keep moving every two years. So Berlin is actually the longest I've ever lived anywhere in my entire life.
2: That's and awesome. how long that's been?
0: Uh, four years, three months, and six days.
1: Oh. That's the longest you've ever lived somewhere in your <laughs> yeah. life. That's yeah, that's crazy. One place,
0: yeah. So, I'm not sure why. I still don't speak a word of German though. So. <laughs>
2: Uh, wow. And I hear you're also hosting Berlin Spoken Word.
0: Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Berlin Spoken Word is uh, one of the projects that I kind of started when I moved there. I, uh, I was living in Paris and um, I just, you know, Paris kind of got old for me. So I decided to go to Berlin for weeks' holiday and then I couldn't find any spoken word events in English um and they were not competitive and so I kind of walked into a bar and decided I would try and start my own thing and uh I'm actually amazed every week that people still come and it's not just me in a basement and with a microphone Uh, (laughs) which would be fine Uh, don't don't get me started
1: (laughs) and how did you come to be doing spoken word what was it about the medium that uh sort of got to you that you Um, wanted to bring that to berlin
0: uh, I think um, when I was younger, I always kind of wrote a little bit. And then I guess when I, in my uh, mid 20s, writing became something else. It became less of a chore. It became something that I kind of, as a release, it was cathartic. Um, and I didn't actually know about spoken word or the medium or spoken word. Uh, the idea that somebody would. Uh, or people would stand there and sit there and listen to you speak your own words was kind of strange to me. So when I came across in a bar in um, in Paris, I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And I can drink alcohol at the same time. And uh, so from there, I kind of went to Berlin and started my own thing, and the rest is kind of
1: history, so to speak. Ah, and, and what were you writing um, before you? I guess you got to poetry.
0: Uh, I was writing novels, novels, um, and I was kind of transitioning from novels to short stories uh, when I discovered spoken word, and then this whole kind of different type of writing, this form of writing, this art of writing, uh, writing to perform, and it became something, I stopped doing all the other kind of writing, and uh, I'm not sure if, sometimes I struggle against that, because writing for performers is a whole different animal, and it's almost... I sometimes feel that it's cheating uh, so to speak uh, because your writing doesn't have to always be perfect it can be whatever it is and then you get on the stage and you can kind of fill in those gaps with your own performance uh, so it just becomes the words that you put down the original page may not actually resemble uh, the actual performed words
2: and i remember you also use props
0: I. I, I mean, we had to get um, your
2: basketball last uh, some.
0: I mean, I have been known occasionally to use uh, props, but it's not really something I try to do. Um, but sometimes it's uh, if I'm doing like a basketball piece, it helps to have a basketball. Well. <laughs> makes sense yeah right yeah. Yeah. it was very um, hard to
2: get one I but it's, it's
0: always fun you know sometimes you know how you can find new ways to shock your audience uh, you can you know sh- I shaved my hair off once uh, just on a stage on a stage oh. yeah. Wow, that's wild <laughs> yeah I'm committed to the arts nice. I <laughs> uh, but yeah you know you, you can do all kinds of things on stage and sometimes you have to use props but I mean it's all about the performance and having that and um, building the relationship with your audience and conveying
1: whatever message uh, you want to convey and what message are you conveying? What do you talk about when you're on stage? Is there a theme or is I mean, it kind of yeah, as and when? It always
0: changes. Uh, I mean, I would say, and I think people who hear me or know me, you know, they know I'm mostly all my stuff is political. You know, I always come from a political angle. That's my background. That's what I'm trained to do. That's my profession. Um, so I'm always going to try and take that political angle in whatever it is. The issue that bothers me, that's tickling me that week that I read in the news. I'm going to try and bring it to the stage, <clears throat> and which kind of you know belays kind of like a, a deeper belief that I have that you know performance or art in generally has a responsibility uh, to be political to a certain extent.
1: Um, yeah. And what sort of <laughs> conversations do you get out of that? Uh, uh, I guess you know, in my experience, very limited. Um, When I've gone to spoken word events, you get people, you know, sometimes you get people who are super funny. And when you walk up to them afterwards, it's like, you know, you come with them, you know, at a place of humor Um, and some people super serious. So when you talk to them, you're kind of like, hey, man, that was deep, man. Do people come and start talking politics with you? uh yeah i mean it's it's a range of things i mean
0: it depends on the performance the the audience uh, the the amount of alcohol everybody's drank and yeah. i've drank um, yeah. <laughs> so it really, really depends uh, and i think that's also the beauty of spoken word In the sense, it's like a cash-all for all these different uh, types and modes of communication. Whereas if you go to a comedy night, it's comedy. The the, the artist's role is to make you laugh. Whereas spoken word, it could touch you on a whole range of different emotions. Um, But I do also find sometimes it's very confusing when you perform a piece and then an audience member comes up and asks you a question. Uh, For example, I think I was performing a piece a couple of years ago in this... This woman, I, the piece was about my uh, my son. And, uh, you know, about. I think it was taking him to the playground or something, or something like that. And this woman came up to me after and she asked, Oh, I have a son the same age as yours. And I was like, I don't have a son. You know, it was a performance <laughs> piece. Whatever right. I do on stage is not necessarily true. You wouldn't go up to a writer yeah. and ask, them, Oh, I read your book, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, and try to relate to them. You separate right. the... The art or the the product of the art from the actual artist but yet because you're on stage, because you're physically there and naked in front of them, that the people assume that whatever you're doing is true. And I remember when I told her I don't have a kid, she felt so betrayed. <laughs>
1: I felt betrayed just now. <laughs> when you said you don't have a kid. I was <laughs> well, like, oh, yeah. what? Well, I, can, I can go back. Yeah, actually, I do have a kid. But
0: uh, anyway, but no, it's 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 interesting and. I think that sometimes it's possible to play with your audience uh, with those truths and um, also with those lies and you have to be very careful about doing it but i also think that uh, an audience member sometimes has no right to ask you a question you know I, i don't mean that you know to be or to sound combative i just think i have stood on stage and given you something you know and asked for nothing in return and you want a follow up question? You know, to question me. I right. mean, if you want to engage in a conversation, maybe. But if it is to question me or say you disagree with me, but well, you, you came to listen to me, all right? I didn't come right. to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's it. And I read really on me to combat it because I also think that you know that we are there to create conversations, to to empower people to speak, to 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 be to not be silenced. But yet, I think there should also be that protective curtain for uh, the
1: artist. Yeah, you can um, see that with a lot of comedians. Um, Dave Chappelle recently did his uh, Netflix special, and you know, people go crazy afterwards, as they always do, um, and start questioning his beliefs. And the issue there is that, you know, he's an artist, he goes on stage, he expresses what he wants to express. And you as an audience member, you take it, maybe you like it, maybe you don't, maybe you hate him afterwards. But there, there is definitely a line that people tend to cross after the performance to say, you know, let's let's cancel this guy, or I don't agree with what he's saying. Uh, he shouldn't be allowed to go on stage. Uh, do you think that's a conversation that needs to be had more with performers and uh, audiences? Like, how do you how do you balance that? I mean,
0: everybody finds their own balance, you know. I mean, and I think the artist has to find. Uh, the reason why they perform or, or they partake in their own art. art. Um, I had So I said at the beginning that I uh, wrote novels. Um, so I wrote three novels. Uh, I've never published them. I put the, I finished them. I spent years working on them. And they're on my laptop and they will never see the light of day because simply I wrote them for myself. And I have no interest in the scrutiny, the observation. And the, for me, it was the cathartic uh, experience of actually that process of writing and finishing something that was important. Once it was finished, I'm done with it. Um, so that was the reason I wrote those. Uh, but why I perform, it changes each week, you know, and uh, I wouldn't like to speak for other artists, but for myself, the the amount of clapping or boos that I receive from an audience doesn't interest me uh, because I step to the stage with a specific reason, uh, specific intent, um, and your pleasure has nothing to do with it. And once again, I don't mean to sound combative, uh, <laughs> but I think that there is, you know, as an artist, you have to be, you know, defensive at, at times and careful and protective of what you do and communicate that to your audience like, hey, I just gave you my heart and soul. You gave me a clap.
2: <laughs> it's very boundary oriented <laughs> approach
0: yeah uh, which is one of the things i've i've been exploring the last uh, year and a half is how to break down that boundary so for example uh, forming in amsterdam on um, on Friday nights, and what we're gonna be doing is not performing from a stage, not performing from behind a mic, but actually performing within the audience. So you become one of the audience, and there isn't that separation between you and the audience, and you're sharing something, you're creating something together. It's not you performing for them, it's us performing together. And I think that's that's very important in, in all forms of art to try and you know break down those walls, so to speak.
2: But you still don't want audience to have opinion?
0: Well, I never said they can't have an opinion. Of course they can have an opinion. I just mentioned that coming up to me straight after a, a performance and telling me your opinion may not necessarily be the wise thing to do. Fair enough. So where do you draw your inspiration from? Uh, well, I say that with a glass of white wine in my hand. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, as I say, I'm very political. I spend, uh, you know, I don't, it's not to show up. I spend three hours every day religiously reading the news. And from there, I gather a lot of thoughts and figure out where I position myself vis-a-vis certain issues. Um, And then, you know, you sit down and the blank page starts to, words come to you and an idea and it just keeps flowing. Um, So I wouldn't say I find my inspiration from anywhere in particular, but the process and the joy of working out where I fit in this world.
2: So Belonging.
0: Uh, belonging or not belonging and just the the, the the infinitely complex puzzle that is us and society and this this really crazy world we live in
2: yeah and how people try to find the ways to entertain themselves
0: yeah no it's, it's <laughs> and, uh, being in Amsterdam speaking of which <laughs> so, yeah
2: how do you entertain yourself Besides wow, the news, I mean, on a podcast, a <laughs> uh,
0: no. I mean, I I like I play a lot of basketball. Uh, that's one of my my refuges, you know, where I go to, you know, to get lost. Um, and uh, I write, obviously, perform, travel, um, and actually, to be honest with you, I love uh, when I'm not on stage, engaging in conversation i i will talk to anybody for hours on the street i don't mind i'd rather you disagree like somebody who is not like me who's very different from me let's talk some more let's even grab a beer you know i would sit with a trump supporter for hours just to find out what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: makes sense (laughs) and um given that you've traveled around so much i'm curious about how how you view the world from what perspective? Because you've lived in South Africa and the UK, uh, and now you're living in Berlin. Is it? Are you looking at global politics? You were talking about politics earlier, or is it, you know, from a certain perspective? I think that we
0: are uh, unavoidably egocentric and human in that respect in the sense. That I see the world from my perspective, my, you know, and I'm going to see it from a black south africans perspective living amongst white people in europe uh and i'm I, I say that but it's it's something that i struggle with i'm not saying it's the perfect it's just that something that for me is inescapable you know that is the prison prism the, the the lens through which i see every interaction that i have not just with myself but with others um and i see between others uh so that's where how i see the world and from that obviously we try to and i personally read really try to often fail, try to, you know, be as empathetic as possible, try to understand why other people feel like that. And therefore, that's why I like those conversations, because I'm just curious. You know, I I always have this thing when I meet new people. And if I ask them, you know, more questions than they ask me in the sense, like a lot more questions, if I ask them 10 questions, they ask me one, I'm probably not going to be interested in that person, you know, because I can tell they're not interested in me. And that, that kind of, not it doesn't upset me, but upsets my notion of this person being somebody I want to be friends with because that means they're not curious about the world, you know. And, yeah, so I hope that I, I never meet somebody who asks more, more questions than I ask them.
1: I think we're doing that today, so. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I like you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm very curious about what poem do you have prepared for us?
0: Yeah, me too. Okay. The graveyard of my soul is littered by countless zombie corpses of loves lost. These lonely herds of bodies and vague memories stumble about the fields of my heart, abandoned by time but nurtured by and perverted by cocaine neglect. The eldest of them, a sixth-grade teenage kiss without tongue that we both innocently stole in Playgrounds Corner. Her name was Amandine and damn, she was something to be seen. And boy... I was like a virgin black bean, all kinds of keen. This other zombie memory, her name was Nicola Bittus, and she was intellectually nimble, the opposite of simple, with perfect dimples to say nothing of her nipples. Her father was a menace and me, oh my, my thoughts were pure sinister. Time flies as I reminisce with a tearful eye for all those loves gone awry. Murdered by impatience A youthful heart's vocation I mourn the loss of lust and innocent elation This one time This one time As I sought to bury once and for all All those lost mummified memories of flirtations. I tried But I accidentally ended up burying myself A self that despite my most earnest efforts I have never been able to find again You see when you bury yourself, you should never expect to exhume that same heart. Death is death. And that boy who loved Amandine, well, he is dead and gone.
2: <laughs> Thank you for Intense. Really?
1: <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> it. Reminded me of all my... Uh, my countless childhood crushes that never came to fruition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe Damn. for the better. Yeah, maybe for the better. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Do we ever? No, though? no, not at all. Um, tell us about your poem. How long ago did you write this one? I wrote it
0: uh, just, uh, I think, last month, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, it's just a new one. And I um, I, I was for an, uh, an event about uh, about love. And uh, to be honest with you, for me, love is not, is not love. For me, it just it evokes memories, and not memories, but the death of innocence. It's much more, I have a morbid uh, take on love very often. And for me, it's about love's lost and these, these mummified remains that just stroll around our minds and our hearts and memories in the past, and you know, how we're kind of dragged and anchored back there. And yet we try to go forward, you know, go forward. But yet we just still carrying these dead corpses behind us. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't.
1: I normally don't bring that up on a first date. <laughs> I normally wait so until the second or third. <laughs> um, but also, I'd I'd say pretty true. You know, you, you think back to your first love or your first crush and the one that broke your heart. And it's you know, even as adults, no matter how many experiences you've gone through, and they're the ones that you still carry. That that's mm. what shapes you. For me, mm. at least, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> I have no heart. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it, may, it, it may sound uh, ominous what I'm saying, but for me, it's actually a, it's not, I don't see it so negatively because there's a duality to it. There's a reason you keep dragging them along with you because it was so amazing, so such that you've never been able to forget it. You know, this kiss with Amondine, I was like, God, I must have been like, I would say eight or nine. Damn. I, I still remember that. And there was no tongue. Imagine there'd be tongue. Jeez. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Blow your uh, mind. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it, was, it wasn't It was like the perfect kiss, but it was. And that's why she's still with me. I try to get rid of her, but she's still with me. And that's a testament to the, to her lips. Sorry. <laughs> to the kiss, to so speak.
1: To first. Oh. First time. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: uh, yeah. We all remember our first time.
1: Yeah.
2: So yeah, but it's it's more like you always romanticize the past because it's nicer to remember that in that way, right? And it's it's much more romantic than I don't know, like dirty socks and daily routine.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we we all uh, have some uh, relationship with nostalgia. You know, this idea of living in the past was you know moving towards the future was living in a listless present. Uh, nostalgia is. Is there constantly, and we're just trying to wrap our wrap our hearts around it, uh, but it just always escapes us. I feel.
2: Do you think nostalgia and melancholy?
0: No, because for me, melancholy is purely uh, for the past. Uh, whereas nostalgia, you can have a nostalgia for a, for a future, mm-hmm. for a, an un unlived future or for unrealized future.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you nostalgic about anything in the future? Uh, so. <laughs> As a uh, as a South African, um, I am constantly suffering from nostalgia a nostalgia of the past, you know, and something simple in the past when, you know, there was a signpost that said, you can't swim here as a black person. Whereas now you still can't swim there, but there's no signpost. uh, So things are not as simple as they were. Um, But yet I'm also nostalgic for the future that was promised uh, to us, uh, that unrealized future, because now we made that promise years ago and now we've arrived to that future and it's still not there and I'm nostalgic for that person who dreamt of that future uh, so you have these you know, simultaneous nostalgias that coexist and that are multi-layered and that bump up against one another grinding sometimes and it's such a complicated world to negotiate and, uh, and to understand and I'm glad I'm a, you know, an artist so I get to actually you know, work on that constantly
1: I get that Yeah, that was the political scientist of me coming out. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. I was curious about um, the psychology uh, of growing up in a country. Let's call it X country. I'm from Zimbabwe, so I grew up in Zimbabwe. It was, you know, rose petals and sunshine when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then now it's just, you know, the total opposite. And for me, it's something that I think about quite often. Mm. Um, I think I I feel helpless you know for the people yeah. that are still at home uh who hoped for a better future and they're clearly not getting it i'm just wondering what how, you know how you grapple with that as an artist whether it's about you know violence or or xenophobia or anything like that that might be happening uh in your for- former home
0: uh, it's actually funny you mentioned that uh, there was this woman on the uh, the news this zimbabwean woman and uh, she was uh, speaking about how uh, Mugabe's going to be buried in uh, Zimbabwe. And how they just uh, returned his body, I think, this morning. And they're trying to, you know, bury him. And and how Zimbabwe is so torn between this guy that's this liber- once upon a time liberator and great man to this, you know, terrible dictator and tyrant. And how they're torn between this, they're tearing this man or his image apart. But yet they're also tearing their own uh realities apart and it's it's fascinating watching the tensions um for myself i find that the the solutions uh are in finding or in being clear are being clear about what i am thinking and why i'm thinking it and why i'm fe- what i'm feeling and why i'm feeling that what are the energizers what are the pistons that are fueling those feelings and perspectives and when you kind of start to strip things bare like okay uh, you know what mandela was great why was he great what did you do? Why was that great? And constantly, you know, shri- uh, you know, just tearing away and just trying to think why chisel away the reasons exactly why and the preciseness of it. And once you get there, you find some kind of, well, I'm still chiseling away, but you find some kind of peace and, you know, kind of, I would say, tranquility, uh, which is what I'm still hoping for. But that is why I chisel away.
1: Do you find peace uh, in realizing what was to be inevitable Fuck when yeah. you do? You know, peel back the layers and see what what sort of happened. St- let's say stage at a stage, um, and how events turned out. That's the way I see it, anyway. I don't mean to put that on you. No, 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 no,
0: no. <laughs> tell, tell me more about that. What do you mean exactly?
1: Well, uh, uh, you know, if you look at if you look at Zimbabwe's history. Uh, and actually quite a lot of African countries' history and where they've ended up now, and you see the events that unfolded, and you say, okay, well, this happened, and as a a result of this, this group came up, and as a result of that, this happened, blah, 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 and you realize, okay, well, this... I don't know how else that could have happened. It almost Mm -hmm. seems like it was going to happen this way. And so in that sense, it kind of seems like inevitable that it was going to be this and there's really nothing that you could do about it except for try and change the future and not the past because i think for a lot of uh people that i know they stick in the past oh you know it used to be this it used to be this you know Zimbabwe used to be this uh, south africa used to be that um but failed to see what it could be in the future i don't know i'm just i'm playing with no no
0: i mean i I definitely think that it is and power comes from understanding and choosing way but i also do, will not lie, I sometimes when you strip things away and you see what the, those, those cycles that happen again and again, sometimes that just tears me apart, I get furious. Like for example, the, 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 the recent or the current unrest in South Africa uh, against uh, the xenophobic attacks from black South Africans towards other Africans who are in South Africa, I can't but help but keep shouting out loud like, you should know better south africans you who have been the victim of so much oppression uh by people who are different you should know better than not to treat people like that and if we're talking about cycles and just seeing how that happens again and and it's almost uh, the irresistible currents of currents of of time just you you're just watching it and you can't do anything um but that is where i re- try to remind myself that you can actually do something you know, you cannot maybe do something on a macro, on a grand scale, but you could try to affect and Im- impact uh, the, the community around you, uh, which is why I'm really, you know, we talked at the beginning that I run Berlin Spoken Word, but through Berlin Spoken Word has been a vessel through which I can start a lot of other, or launch a lot of other community based um, projects that at the uh, the meeting point between art and and politics and where you can make those small little changes in your community and if you can do that at the very least you can feel better about yourself at the most you can actually change things in your community and that is you know um, I find it amazing that I don't speak a word of German but yet I can actually impact my community Uh, and that's I think that's where you all you can hope to do if you're not a Mandela, if you're not a, a Tutu, if you're not a, an Obama or somebody, just do what you can in your small community, you know. And from that, maybe something else will grow, but that will actually be enough, you know, to keep that, those dark thoughts of the cycles and the demonic cycles from picking yourself and watching them and you as an observer. So that's that's what I advise my son. <laughs> <laughs> the art
2: of small steps.
0: Yes. Is that your new novel?
2: No, <laughs> no, but it's. Uh, do you think there are more advices you could give for people who don't know how to learn from the past or don't want to learn from the past?
0: Ah, oh, in order for me to give advice, would mean that I have learned those lessons myself, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm always perfect, but I'm, I'm still struggling. You know, I spoke of Amundine. I spoke of, you know, how I still harbour, you know, anger and frustration at my past, and I try not to repeat them. I. You know, if I did have a son, I would just say, you know, day at a time, moment at a time, action at a time. And think, deconstruct exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you'll do next time. And if you keep thinking of those things over and over again, you know, then you'll be a better person.
2: So like being more aware and bringing that awareness to every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just do it every day. Good mantra. <laughs> um, hey, man. Thank you very much for speaking to us today. My pleasure. And for our audience listening, uh, where can they find your work and your writing and everything that you're doing online?
0: Uh, poof, uh, you can't find my writing online, but you can find uh, me and my projects that I do in Berlin. Uh, and we are currently trying to spread our our network as far as possible so you know i'm in amsterdam today i was in switzerland a couple of weeks ago i was in france a couple of weeks ago i was in italy a couple of weeks ago i'm going um uh, to romania in a couple of months uh, so yeah i'm just trying to see as much as i can and just trying to build as much bigger network as i can so facebook is the answer to your question <laughs>
2: <laughs> we will we'll link your um, facebook then in the cool. podcast notes
0: yeah, and yeah, just anybody who wants to join on this, uh, on this journey, just come along.
2: Thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much. And for our audience listening, if you want to listen to future episodes, you can go to www.worduppodcast.com where you'll find our social media, past episodes, uh, and information about our current and past guests. Thank you. Thank you. Doei!
2: welcome no (laughs) no no no, welcome sorry it's not live you know he's gonna edit it out how do you (laughs) mess that up though (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) this should be part of the podcast (laughs) the
0: outtake should be the podcast yeah